Well, if you'll take your Bibles with me, let's turn to 1 Peter as we continue our study in 1 Peter. And the, the title of the series is Alien Life. So put on your alien suit and here we go. We're back in, still in chapter 1, chapter 1, and we're going to pick up where we left off, and then that would, will be, we'll pick it up at verse 13, 1 Peter 1, verse 13. Read with me now as Peter continues. Therefore, gird your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, Peter begins there in verse 13 with the word, therefore. You see that, therefore. And that that particular word is... uh, in Greek, it's called dia, D-I-A. And basically, the, the meaning is because of or for that reason, for this reason. And so uh, that therefore, you know, as you've heard, you, you, those of you who've done Bible study, uh, one of the, the things the professor always has told us is uh, when you come across a therefore, find out what it's there for. And you basically, and so what do you do? It, it, that word is speaking of something that the writer had already discussed, and he comes to a point and says, well, because of what I just told you, this is what you need to do. And, and the verses before this, what did Peter, uh, what, what was he telling we who are children of God? He was telling us in verse 1, believers are to obey because we are God's... Uh, turn there again real quick. Just uh, 1 Peter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens... Again, you can have the word foreigners in your translation or strangers. Scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are what chosen who are chosen so here is where we get that word aliens that that we as believers are considered aliens on this earth but what's exciting is that god chose us out of the world he chose you he created you and then his plan was to bring you the gospel and to and to save you out of your sin to take you from Satan's grasp and to free you and me. So, so Peter had, had encouraged the saints. Again, remember, he's writing to a lot of persecuted Christians who are being persecuted throughout the empire at this time, the Roman Empire. But one, uh, he had spoken of your, because you're, you're chosen aliens. Uh, and then drop down to verse 3. Another because of, because uh, we, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Do you see that? Verse 3. He's caused us to be born again. 
So we have been begotten by the Father. We've been chosen by God. We've been begotten spiritually by God the Father. And then we have an untouchable inheritance that we've been given. And we read that, verse 4. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And so here again is an untouchable inheritance. And again, the great, uh, another reason is because of the great salvation. Verse 5. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time that salvation yet to be revealed we have salvation but there is a a salvation the completion of our salvation has yet to be revealed in us when we are in his presence when we are finally finally there and then uh, then in verse six uh you know god commands uh are uh, always rooted in grace in his grace and then he speaks in verse 6 of course he speaks of the trials of life and then <clears throat> and then he goes on and on so if you drop back down to verse 13 okay these are this is what he wrote and now he says therefore or because of these things what are we to do he says gird your minds for action keep sober in spirit and fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That first one, gird your minds for action. Now, this, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> uh, these are things that we should be doing. In the Greek, gird your minds and keep, and keep uh, sober in spirit. Those are things that we should be doing. But then the, in the Greek, the uh, fix your hope is actually, uh, is actually a command. It's an imperative sense, meaning it is a command. We are to absolutely fix our hope completely on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. But what are we to do? Because we've been blessed with so many blessings from God, from salvation to grace, we are to then gird our minds for action. Now, girding, many of you know what that was, meant in the uh, ancient times. Uh, the folk of ancient times, uh, they usually wore long robes, uh, you know, long outfits that were, uh, went to the ankle. And so if they were going to do any work in the field or any running, anything like that, they would, they would take the bottom of their robe pull it up and tie it, tuck it into their belt so that they would have one leg that's free so that they could move around easily, bend over, run. That was called girding up your loins. Okay, so this is what the girding up idea means. But he's saying gird up your mind. Gird your minds for what? For action. What kind of action is this? Well, we're going to see that as we move on here. But we need to prepare our minds for action. Because that's, that's the devil's playground, is our minds. He, he attacks us there. And if we don't prepare our minds for action, uh, we're, and, and, and we drift off and, and we, we're not fixing our hope 
uh, on the Lord Jesus and what is to come, uh, it's so easily to suddenly find ourselves defeated by the enemy. But to be girded, gird your minds means prepared for action. And then he says to keep sober in spirit. Now, to be sober in spirit, another word to use in place of sober is self-control. Be self-controlled. Be under self-control. Controlling your, your emotions, your actions, having things under control. And we know this to be one of the fruits of the Spirit. If we go to Galatians chapter 5, we see that self-control is one of those fruits of the Spirit. And oh, how many times has that been the one missing fruit of the Spirit sometimes in our life? Is it not uh, that, that suddenly I'm going... Why did I lose my temper? Why did I suddenly, you know, why did that come out of my mouth? Or, or why did I do such a thing? It's, we didn't have the self-control we should have because we weren't controlled by the Spirit. So Peter's saying, dear Christian, prepare your minds for action and then keep sober in spirit. Have your spirit under control. Okay, you have your spirit under control. And then I love this part. So as you do those things, what is the, 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 the last thing we are commanded then to do? Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Fix your hope. Another word, way to say it is to set your hope. You set your hope fully on the hope of of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. This uh, fixing your hope, uh, <clears throat> it's it's not a I hope so or maybe kind of hope. It's it's an assurance of something that God is going to do, and he so he's saying, fix your hope. Dear Christian, completely, I love the word completely there, which means don't let anything interfere with your complete fixing of your hope on what? The grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, when we see that word grace, we, we suddenly think, wait a minute, I'm, I'm under grace. I've already received grace have we not? We've been, we've been saved, as Denny beautifully pointed out, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We've been saved by grace through faith, right? Not of ourselves. So we've experienced grace. But he says, completely fix your hope completely on the grace to be what? Brought to you. Not grace that you already have. See that? but grace that will be brought to you. So when's that grace going to come? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. At the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what he's saying is, yes, we've experienced salvation by grace through the grace of God. But yet there is grace that has yet to be given us at the revelation of Jesus Christ, when Jesus returns, when he, the trumpet sounds 
and we are resurrected. The dead in Christ rise first, and then the dead shall be raised, and we shall meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That is the blessed, what Paul continued to refer to as what? The blessed hope. The blessed hope. We are to fix our our minds on him, the blessed hope, and the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is going to be the culmination of God's grace for us. We're going to see the culmination of our salvation. And so I need to, as, as I'm going through this life as an alien in this world, we don't belong here. Have you recently felt like less and less like, like you don't belong here? Like this is not home? Sometimes it just hits me like I see what's happening all around me and the darkness is growing and the evil and you go, uh, Lord, that's right, this is not home. Uh, You have a place prepared for me. And so so we, we have to keep our mind fixed on the hope of the revelation to come of that wonderful grace. So as we fix our hope there on Jesus Christ... Look at it with me now at verse 15 through 16. Now he speaks to us as the children of God. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you. Be holy yourself also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Turn to Leviticus chapter 11 with me. Let's go to Leviticus Old Testament here. Leviticus 11.44. So basically, Peter is quoting from the Old Testament something God had said uh, in uh, Leviticus 11. And look at verse 44, what he tells the Israelites under the law. When God gave his law, he said, verse 44, For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. And you shall not make yourselves unclean, with any of the swarming things that, are, that swarm on the earth. But there again, verse 45. For I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God, and thus you shall be holy, for I am holy. And then now go to chapter 19. Just slide over to Leviticus 19, verse 2. And the Lord says... To Moses, verse uh, Leviticus 19.2. Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. The Lord repeats the same command. So we think, okay, Lord, I got the message. Nope, slide over to chapter 20 now. Chapter 20 and drop down to verse 7 then. Leviticus 20 and now we go to verse 7. 
You, the Lord says, you shall consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my statutes and what? Practice them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Do you think God is trying to tell them something? And have you remember when you're raising your kids? Maybe you can't think back that far. But you remember when you tell your kids, you know, uh, what they should do. uh, But then you had to keep reminding them. And then finally you go, how many times did I tell you? Right? Because it was important that they obey. They understand what you are telling them they need to do. God is trying to get across to the Israelites here and through Peter, as Peter brings it out out what God has said, and it's still relevant today, that as believers, we are commanded to be holy for he is holy. And as soon as, as soon as we hear that phrase, we are to be holy for I am holy, right away you get that feeling of turning and running because you think, Lord, this is, uh, there's no, how can I, this sinner, be holy for, for I know I'm not holy, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not sinless, Right. When we see that word holy, that's the first thing we think of is sinlessness. Be holy for I am holy. God, of course, is sinless. But of course, as we look at that particular word, we must understand what it really means. The word holy means in the Hebrew and in the Greek means to be set apart unto. It's the same word used for sanctification or consecration. It's setting something apart to God. And God says, I've set you apart for myself. Therefore, I want you, as his children, you to set yourself apart in the way you live, in in the way we conduct our, our, our life. And so he's not talking about sinless perfection. And it's so important, I think, for believers to, for us to get this and understand it. That God is not saying, now I want you to go out there and live a sinless life completely. And if you, and if you don't live a sinless life, I'm going to just give it to you. That's not what he is talking about. He's, he's, he's saying, I want you to be holy in your behavior Set apart, set apart, uh, because we belong to him, because we are the children of God. Therefore, there should be a difference in the way we act, the way we live in our behavior compared to the world. As an alien here, uh, now, if you if put it in the, um, in, in the other kind of term, uh, thought that we use, when we use the word alien you think of spa, you know ufos spaceship martians aliens from another planet you know who come <clears throat> and uh, if you've ever seen one of those sci-fi movies they land they come out right they their their life is totally different than ours 
and suddenly you're looking at one of these aliens and from Mars or something, and, and they don't look like us, they don't act like us, all that. And, and of course, that's all built into the Hollywood picture uh, of aliens from another planet type of thing. But here, speaking spiritually, you and though we look on the outside the same as everybody else, there is a difference on the inside. That you and I, when we were saved, and it happened before we, God, God chose us before the foundation of the world, you and I were set apart. We, were set, we became holy the moment we were saved, set apart to God to be his vessels, to be his. And so he's trying to tell us through Peter, he's saying, I want you to live a different kind of a life, a life that pleases me, a life of separation from the, the things of the world. Turn with me to Ephesians 2. So let's go to Ephesians 2. So, uh, Denny, we're, that's where we're going to your passage. Uh, if you, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. But we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. Okay. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Paul is speaking to the church here, church at Ephesus, in verse 1, Ephesians 2. What does he say? And you were dead in in, in your trespasses and sins. That's where we were. In which you formerly walked. Okay, that's behavior. According to the course of this world, According to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. He points it out here. He says, do you remember where you came from? Do you remember what you were like before you became an alien? You were just like everybody else. You, we were all lost, walking in the lust of the flesh. We were sons of disobedience. The wrath of God, we were children of the wrath, which would be the wrath of God to come uh, for sin. And what, remember before you were saved, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind. So it's not only what, I, what I'm acting, but, but what I think. <clears throat> so, so Paul talks about, remember the way, the former life? And then he says, verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses or our transgressions, made alive together with Christ, by grace you are saved through faith. faith. And raised up, verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus And what was the purpose? Verse 7, in order that in the ages to come, way down the future, he might show the surpassing riches of what? Riches of his grace 
in the kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And again, that's what Peter was talking about, the fixing our hope on the grace that is to come, what God has planned for us. Because of what God has done for us, God is saying, you're not the same. I took you out of the world. Now I want you to live as I would live. Live a life separated from the world. Seek to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. And then go to chapter 5, Ephesians 5 with me. Just slide over to Ephesians 5, verse 1. Ephesians 5, 1, Paul continues. Therefore, be imitators of who? Imitators of God. As what? Beloved children. You see, that's where holiness is. That's the whole, be ye holy for I am holy that Peter's talking about. It means that we are seeking to imitate God's character in our life. And that can't be done through our own nature, through our our own own self-will. It has to be done through the spirit that lives within us, the Holy Spirit. But therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. As a fragrant aroma. But do not let immorality or impurity or greed even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness, no silly talk or coarse jesting, uh, coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the, in the kingdom of Christ and God. But verse, and then drop down to verse 7. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Notice he said, he's telling the Christian, Peter, Paul's telling the Christian here, don't be partakers, which means, guess what? I can still be partaking of the world today. If I choose to, God's given me a free will. There are times where I just fall into temptation or, I, you know, the world, world sucks me in and with their pleasures or what, whatever else that is displeasing to God. He's saying, don't be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness. You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Walk as children of the light. So turn back with me to 1 Peter then. If you'll go back with me to 1 Peter, we, we have an understanding now of what Peter is trying to say when he says, be ye holy, for I am holy. <clears throat> and then look with me at, at verse 17 through 19. Let's read 17 through 19. And if you address as father the one who impartial, impartially judges according to each man's work, conduct yourselves, here it is again, behavior, the way we live, conduct yourselves in fear During the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood. 
It's exactly what Becky was talking about. But with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. I love that, that statement he makes in verse 17. He says, so if you address God as your father, right? We are, if we are his children, we call God our heavenly father, then we ought to act like his children. And that's what he says. Remember, is not God a father that is going to judge all of us impartially when, when we stand before him? When we, stand, when we are at the judgment seat of Christ, our, we are going to be judged for our, the works, our behavior, the things we did on this earth while we, were believe, while we were saved, while we were his children. Conduct yourselves, he says in the, verse 17, in fear. And I love this. During the time of your stay upon earth. I don't know about you, but that just, that just makes me feel good when I read it. You know, just while you have a stay on earth, it reminds me that this life is all temporary. That, that it, it, it's kind of, I'm, in the years that we used to travel, <clears throat> you know, we, were, we would travel all across the United States and Canada, and then We'd pull in, stay at someone's home or stay in a hotel somewhere and then put on a concert and move on to the next city and we'd be moving around and, <clears throat> uh, and we'd stay here, we'd stay there. But it wasn't our permanent place. And there was always that feeling of can't wait to get home. We're, you know, it's not home. Oh, it might be nice, might meet nice people who encourage us and things along the way. But, but it was once we made that turn after a few months on the road, and then we would be heading home, uh, we began to think of home. Our minds were fixed on arriving home and driving up into that driveway and walking in, into the house, the place that was really home. And... Basically, that's what Peter's trying to say. Remember, uh, you're just traveling through. You're aliens. You and I are alien strangers on this earth. And while we have a short stay on earth, we need to do something. He's saying, uh, God's saying, I want you to live a certain way. I want you to live a way that, that glorifies and honors me by sanctifying yourself, setting yourself apart through our behavior and our conduct to a, in a way that the world may see that we're different, in a way that, that will please the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice he says, <clears throat> conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. Conducting yourselves in fear. That word fear, as soon as you think of that, you go, you know, somebody reads the word fear and you think, oh, that must mean that, ooh, God's, God's going to punish me any second. You know, you have that fear. If some of you uh, were raised up in an abusive home, and perhaps you had an abusive father or mother, and, and so when, when you did anything that they didn't like, they came down on you. And maybe they beat you. Maybe they, you know, they, 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 it wasn't even discipline. It was so bad. And there was no love behind it. And so you basically lived in fear of uh, walking on eggshells, fear that you might do something that would set them off. And I've heard many testimonies of that, 
from believers who, who have, have experienced that growing up. But this fear, this word fear has in the Greek, it's the same as in the Hebrew, has the idea of reverence, reverence for God. That's and this basically you could add to the, you could what what we read in the <clears throat> uh, like in Proverbs, the fear of the what Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So this is really what this is talking about. Peter's talking about the fear of the Lord. As Christians, we must live in a way that we live in fear of the Lord. And again, that doesn't mean to cower and, and wait for God to strike. You know, uh, in anger. But it has a uh, living my life in a way of reverencing my heavenly father as a child would seek to please his father. And it's that same kind of um, reverence as like when we were, we, were, <clears throat> we were coming to church this morning. And, uh, and I don't know who it was in the car that said, Dad, Dad. Don't go so fast. Um, you know, there might be a policeman along here. I said, no, it's Sunday morning. They never get someone on Sunday morning pull anybody over. Now, I wasn't speeding, okay? I was, I was, well, I wasn't speeding, but I was going a little maybe over the speed limit, okay? I wouldn't call that speeding. But, <clears throat> but trying, trying to stay within in a good range, speed limit, right? But getting to church. And there were no policemen. Uh, but on the way home this afternoon, <clears throat> I'm thinking, I said, uh, you know, it, now Sunday afternoons can be different. Police can be sitting out there. And so we're heading back to Tunnel Hill Road. Sure enough, boy, thank you, I was going the speed limit. Because I, I was going down that road and I was within the speed limit you know, maybe five, mi- uh, five miles per hour d- difference. But there he was sitting in a driveway uh, back in the corner. We drove right by him. And, uh, and that, I-, I was just saying, thank you, Lord. You know, c- keeping my f- foot slow and, and, and trying to obey the speed limit time. Now, <clears throat> I don't live in fear of that policeman, do I? No. Uh, well, I shouldn't, but I don't live in fear. <clears throat> I'm glad he's there. I'm glad we have the law enforcement. And we need to, of course, what we do <clears throat> is, uh, is, is thank the Lord for those who are put in authority over the law, who carry out the law to keep us safe and protect us from evil and, and, and from crime and other things. And so they are there for a reason. But they represent good. They want to do what's good for us. But if I step out of line and I disobey, then, uh, th- then they will pull me over and remind me, uh, by the way, you know, we do have laws. We do have a speed limit law. And then they've and then, of course, there's that. <clears throat> but there is that reverential fear for law enforcement that I believe most of us have here tonight. We need to have that same kind of fear for the Lord walking in it without 
a fear of, of God just being like a father that's going to strike. He's a loving father with the full of grace, and he's going to give us the grace. Uh, he's going to pour out his grace. He has poured it out his grace on us. But we must conduct ourselves while we are on earth in a way that will please him. And that is, Lord, help me to live a separated life. That's, if you want to put that in place of the word holy, it's basically mean a life that is alien-like, different than this world. But it's a heavenly act. It's a heavenly behavior that the world, world can't, can't act out. You know, the Lord Jesus came down on the Pharisees and the, and the scribes because why? They were trying to pretend that they were obeying the law. And they were where, and they walked around real religious, and they had all their their robes, white robes, spotless, and they walked around as if they were sinless. And Jesus came down on them. You remember that the Lord Jesus came down on them, and He said, Matthew twenty three, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful on. Uh, appear beautiful outwardly and that's the look of holiness but inside are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness cleanlessness even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness god's calling him out for hypocrisy but the lord is desire knows that he has given us a new nature and is it with that new nature we can actually live a life that pleases the Lord, a life of holiness. And may we just, this, this week, just say, Lord, would you help me, Lord, to, in those areas where I've been weak, to, to act the way I need to act as, as an alien of, uh, uh, of heaven that, uh, that the others will see in my life, in those who, who know me and those who don't know me, that they will see Christ in me, by the way I live, the way I act. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Lord, help us. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this reminder again from the Apostle Peter, Lord, and Paul. Lord, that you desire a special behavior from your children, a behavior that would represent you and honor you. And Father, I pray you would help us, Lord, to live that kind of life and to walk in your ways. Father, so that one day we will hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.